You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I am Paxton Wright. I'm Justin Kiever. And we're back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, well, those last two weeks got uh, a little interesting, didn't they? Um, they, they did, yeah. Uh, and I would say that the, the hiatus... Uh, perhaps partially due to um, what was going on in the world. I mean, I'll put it this way. I think something that we've acknowledged before on the show is, you know, like this is a show where it's like two dorky white guys talking about dorky media. And like at the best of times, you know, like I think we're we're trying to be like very self-conscious about the, uh, how how like light that content is and how familiar that format is and then honestly yeah in the wake of the last two weeks it's you know i mean it seemed even harder to justify uh to a certain extent so um yeah it's been a it's been a well the thing the thing about the last two weeks is that what we've really seen is an explosion of anger about something that has been going on for uh, the entire history of the United States, you know? So, so it's like in a sense, so in a very real sense, nothing has changed in a way, but also things have changed in a way that's, I think, you know, that that is, that is absolutely positive, you know? Um, but except for the, (sighs) go ahead. Sorry. I, I cut you off. No, no, no. I mean, I, you're absolutely right. It is, it is, uh, as you said, nothing has changed, but the conversation has gotten louder and reached ears that I don't think anyone expected to have reached, at least to the extent that it, they, that they do. Like on one hand, there is definitely a very cynical take you can have on and a right and rightfully cynical, I think understandably cynical on brands and corporations going, we stand in solidarity with blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it is, you, you, we, you can see what they're doing. It's very transparent on the same token. uh, Pokemon donating a hundred and thousand dollars to, or more, I think to, to BLM is like, that's, that's a pretty, that's a that's a big moment to see that kind of thing happening to seeing these these entities and people who otherwise would not speak on this issue or tiptoe around it or maybe give a little press release etc actually kind of take affirmative action and take a really serious stance on this issue that for so long had been uh unfairly and wrongfully politicized um it's an interesting sea change to bear witness to does that make sense yeah, and I mean, I think the other, I don't know, I think the thing that we do need to be kind of like cautious about in terms of thinking about these like big donations and all of that is that, I mean, as people have like pointed out online, you'll see, you know, you, you will see companies like insist on uh, like, you know, like with these kinds of, you know, like these images with, you know, like black backgrounds and white text, this kind of, you know, like very serious minimalism, go, we care about black lives. But then you know, like not actually really not do much in terms of like restructuring the companies themselves to have better working conditions that would materially actually improve the lives of, you know, many people of color who work for these companies. And I think there is, um, I think the thing that is frightening, you know, in the, um, the thing that's kind of frightening now that we're like 
watching uh, these uh, these protests, these demonstrations develop uh, develop from these like really kind of like raw um, like fr from this like really raw anger to something that is becoming now in some cases more uh, more kind of like uh, politically targeted in a certain way, which is a good thing, but also uh, perhaps uh, redirected and redirected in ways that are like, you know, less productive where, so we're seeing things that are really good, like the, uh, the Minneapolis, like these uh, people on the Minneapolis city council voting to like moving forward a vote to abolish the police department in Minneapolis. Uh, they have a veto proof majority, I believe. Like, I, yeah. And, yeah. And that's, and that is really amazing. And that kind of like targeted political effort coming out of this, like, you know, nationwide protest movement, Garcetti is uh, slashing the LAPD's funding by like 150 mil. Turns out when you send a bunch yeah. of angry people to the mayor's house, you can strong arm them into doing quite a bit. Yeah, and like that, and like that is really incredible to see. And I think, uh, and I'm, and I'm very, very glad that we are seeing developments like that. And I think the, um, of course, like the thing that like stays kind of frightening though is like that that. Uh, it is these kind of like it's the empty gestures and like seeing like Nancy Pelosi's uh, like weird PR ooh, thing. Oh boy, that was like weird and let's be real, incredibly problematic PR thing that happened and like um like donning like the uh, uh, kente cloth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the stole, like, yeah. And and see, so like seeing those kinds of gestures and then this uh what I've heard from like you know tales on the ground about uh, protests in some of the major cities where there is this occasional insistence that, you know, like, you know, hug the cops, right? Like invite them to join. And it's like, no, like there's these kind of like we see and like hear tell of these like moves toward a kind of uh, desired unproblematic uh, unity where it's like, no, like the cops are bad we've seen them again and again being bad. And I feel like, you know, like this is a show about the media we consume. And I'll say that the media that I consumed over the last two weeks primarily uh, was a lot of, you know, videos of police brutality. Oh yeah. I, I, it's the fact it's, it speaks volumes about somebody's character or uh, uh, just on a larger, more macro level. Um, a lot of uh, media entities, characters, um, and intentions when the videos that are highlighted are those of uh, an officer kneeling with protesters rather than the amount of videos that dwarf them of officers firing on reporters, officers running over seas of protesters. Uh, when, those, when those videos become silenced and sidelined to a, a very consumable, palatable uh, piece of cheery news, um, that that suggests uh, uh it doesn't suggest it's something blatantly very sinister yeah absolutely and like and there, there's that one um thing that we saw in buffalo where there was a you know the cops uh all like kneeled uh next to like some like the city hall or something in buffalo and not 24 hours later that was the exact location where a bunch of buffalo cops uh, or two Buffalo cops particularly shoved uh, a 75-year-old man to the ground. And Who is now apparently an Antifa asset or what, <laughs> a sleeper cell. It, yeah, he had a... You know, at an like, earpiece. Had a, 
had a, an earpiece and a blood bag like right <laughs> behind his skull. Like, ah, oh, man. Just the... And yeah, it's... So the thing is, like, there's been a lot of stuff over the last few weeks that has been really heartening. And... But I, I've... Uh, I don't know, man. I've been thinking a lot about Breonna Taylor these last few days. Like, just... Okay, uh, and, th- and this is not, and I don't mean this is a, a way to transition into talking about uh, Zodiac, which was a film that I watched, but um, in the last uh, in the last week. But uh, I was watching that, and then you know, it's a very familiar, in some ways, um, very well, actually, yeah, extremely familiar story about there's a serial killer, people are hunting the serial killer, and the whole thing that Zodiac that I'm talking about, the 2007 uh, David Fincher film. Um, like it plays very much on the fears of just trusting people, right? And that's like how that's the whole thing is that you get all of these like moments of horror where basically people assume the worst isn't going to happen. They assume that like this, you know, this person is just going to go by and life is going to be no- normal. And then the Zodiac killer intervenes and you know does a murder. And I think the the thing about watching that in the last two weeks was that the the truth that 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 fear is real but it's not the average person who is like doing who's performing that intervention it is the police it is the heroes of these stories that we tell about interventions in the peaceful moments where violence happens the the heroes are the heroes in the stories are the villains in real life it's you know ronna taylor and ronna taylor was asleep when she was murdered by the cops and like the so like like the kind of like the horror like the serial killer horror scenario where you are you just in your you know in your home alone at peace like the the intervention in that comes from you know it, it does not come from this kind of like nebulous you know force of evil but there there is a force that is sovereign there's this kind of like there's a sovereign force that is not subject to that same restriction of like private property and, and I don't know, personal, it just like they are not subject to the laws that we are and they can intervene in that and murder people. And that the day that I'm referring to is the cops. And I don't know, like it was just something really ugly to me about watching a film as much as I still actually love, zodiac because i like a good you know serial killer mystery story there's something really hard for me to stomach about a serial killer story with you know a good guy cop when you know when everything that we've already talked about as having happened Mm -hmm. is happening anyway Mm -hmm. no it's i mean it's an interesting case in that like I, i mean I'm sure you can attest to this too as a as an upper middle class uh cisgendered white guy like from the suburbs every interaction I have had it, with the police has been more or less amicable um I have been I I've like yeah I've been like pulled over and like taunted dealt dealt with uh with people that feel very big for their britches and, and act as such, but I've never felt threatened. I've never felt um, like there was any sense of uh, 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 
danger or like I was dealing with anybody that could be a threat to my life. And it's presented this very interesting, not that I didn't always know that was the case for so many other Americans. Not that I didn't know that that was the way things have been. Um, But when the conversation gets louder, um, it forces a lot of people who are naive, who have had only those interactions with officers before. Um, and, and again, myself to an extent, like I, I don't believe I'm a person that's been naive, that's been blatantly naive. Um, but it's easy to, to put on your blinders to the plight of those around you when you don't share that plight. Um, and now that the conversation has become so undeniably loud, uh, that it has forced a lot of people to have to, um, to come to, to grips with that. It's, it's an interesting, it's, it's just, it's very interesting. The fact that we, as you said earlier uh, on this show about, uh, you know, two dorky white guys talking about, talking about dorky white guy things. Um, uh, you know, what's, what's your outer world's fan theories? Like this isn't, you know, this, this isn't the week for that show and like for that show. And it's the fact that we have got, the conversation has gotten to a point where now, uh, you can't even start the show with a little like, well, you know, with, with caveat, yes, the, these these events are, you know, they speak volumes about the state of the world. We stand with BLM. And anyway, moving on, uh, Twin Peaks, you know, like we, we're not in a position where that is the kind of show we can or should be having right now. Like, it, it's it's this moment in history that's a bit too monumental to to brush off or move forward with. And that in itself is both, uh, you know, it's terrifying in its own right because it really does force you to confront this reality that the authority figures are the ones uh, are really, to put it bluntly, in most cases, or in many cases anyway, kind of the bad guys, um, especially for so many other people. Um, But it's exciting that now that conversation really can and should be had by basically everybody. Again, Pokemon had to talk about it. The fact that everybody had to talk about it is, is it, it's indicative of something. Yeah, and I think the, and the thing that's been really scary and also really positive is that, okay, I'll put it this way. We live in a terrible world. Like <laughs> we, live in, we live in a really awful world. And there are, and there are horrible things going on all the time, like just horrendous acts of violence, uh, always happening. Like the, you know, the the comfortable existence that you and I, and I'm gonna say, you know, probably most people listening right now, um, have, like, comes on, you know, this like bedrock of basically it's produced by bedrock of state violence, you know, or at least it is kind of like founded on um, like, and not just like violence within the United States, you know, like uh, military interests abroad that are related to this kind of like, you know, a larger global economy that, um, you, you know, it's like, these are, I mean, it's things that we all know, you know, things that like we know that like when we, you know, look at a t-shirt and, you know, we see like where it was produced. We have this like sense of, you know, like you get that kind of flash of memory of reading about like, oh yeah, Nike has sweatshops. And like, 
yeah, so there's the, the laptops we're talking on right now made by human suffering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like the, yeah, like the, the Foxconn suicides, you know, that's a, like, that's a phrase that has been, that has popped into my head occasionally for about a decade now. And the, and the simple fact is there are all these terrible things happening all the time. And life is such where we are constantly through a lot of things that we don't have the time to get into right now, but we're basically like, we're constantly kind of like pushing all of these terrible things away where we're encouraged to a certain extent to just to not think about these things because they become incredibly overwhelming to think about. And the thing that is really amazing and moving about these protests is exactly, I want to get back to what you're saying, Paxton, that we can't turn away, you know, that like right now, you and I, we, you know, we cannot turn away from what is going on right now. And we, we feel as though we can't simply acknowledge it and move on. We have to, we have to talk about it for what, you know, we have to reckon with it when we have a platform. And I think the need to reckon with something is not a, it's not an injunction that we feel constantly, even though we should. And the fact that there is a rec and the fact that there is a very public reckoning that has to happen is just, is a, is a positive thing, you know, like, and if we can keep doing that, if we can keep not looking away and like, let that not looking away continue to call, you know, to call us into action. Like, I think that's like the best thing we can hope for. I agree. And I think it's, um, even then, I mean, uh, largely related to what you're saying is, uh, as if this is such an interesting moment because so much of what we're talking about and other things are so indicative of this dystopian moment that we're living in, but also the resilience, the, also the, there's an optimistic message to be gleaned in there too, the resilience of people, uh, when backed into a corner, you watched the, um, the special election in Georgia yesterday, um, mm -hmm. wherein people were getting in line at 6 a.m. and not being able to vote until hours later because of oh, faulty machines, uh, this, that, or the other thing. Like, lines wrapping around the block until well after polling place, polling was closed. Um, yeah. and, and conveniently, or, or not conveniently, but, uh, well, certainly conveniently for some, but mysteriously, uh, only happened in neighborhoods of color. Uh, white white uh, neighborhoods... <laughs> what a wild coincidence that keeps happening in I, every election ever. Repeatedly, I know. What a shocker. Um, and and but I think it's again as horrific a note as that is. Uh, it is. It's indicative of this greater cultural sea change. I think if I can put a positive spin on this very bleak piece of news, it's indicative of a greater cultural sea change. Of people, uh, people stayed in line. Those lines remained packed late into the night. Um, people exercised their right to vote uh, despite everything against them. Uh, and and I I'm hoping that this vigor, that this, uh, that this energy can maintain itself for God, God knows how long. I mean, to November would be nice, but well past November too. I, I, I hope this really does continue to breed the change that it has started to. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to reduce the kind of like avenue of like political action to uh, electoral politics. Uh, of course certainly, not. Yeah, of course not. I mean, like, because I'm certainly a, a skeptic, but uh, but to but to kind of like you know affirm the importance of people staying in those polling lines. I mean, there's the um, I'm paraphrasing someone here. Uh, but you know, like the old anarchist slogan is if voting mattered, they make it illegal. And the, like the whole problems with polling places, like what that demonstrates, the fact that we are like referring to this, like, you know, ongoing problem with, you know, polling places being inaccessible and having these like massive lines is that they kind of are making voting illegal, which speaks to its efficacy, speaks right. to that there is like, that is an avenue for action that is, you know, actively being, uh, you know, this, that's actually being combated at a kind of like, you know, higher level. And like that goes to show that, yeah, voting does something and it's worth doing if you're voting for someone who's worth voting for. And the people who tend to be worth voting for tend to be, you know, like at the state and local level. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, absolutely. And that's, yeah, I, I should be very clear that uh, actual um, proactive change does not start and stop at the voting booth. It obviously, it, it, parroting a million other people when I say that it really starts at a grassroots level, but um, I'm saying it is a, the, 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 that vigor that I speak of and the coverage said vigor receives. Um, it's, it's not a sign that things are fixed. In fact, it's a sign that things are royally broken that said vigor needs to be put out there on a mass level at all. Um, but it looks as though, I, I mean, repairs have hopefully begun and hopefully can continue. I, I, that's, I mean, maybe that's a, a naive statement, a naive sentiment, but I feel like we've seen in the last just week alone uh, some positive change being made. Obviously, an immense degree more to do and it's healthy to be skeptical about how much of that change we will actually see but oh yeah but if the if the momentum keeps up which i mean you know things i think there's people have said that things have died down i think that's not actually true uh and i think as long as some momentum stays there and that all that this you know really this real righteous anger keeps being uh, effectively funneled at the right targets and, you know, toward like, uh, and, and toward uh, just, you know, political, yeah, like ongoing political actions such as the abolishing of like the Minneapolis uh, Police Department, like things like that, then yeah, that's, I think that's what we can hope for, you know, at this juncture right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, God, I mean, I don't, I don't know. If there's necessarily, though. There's too much more to be said, and then simultaneously, like <laughs> we've hit a we've hit a natural stopping point. We talked about potentially discussing uh, uh, my recent rewatch of Twin Peaks season three today of a very white oh. show about good guy cops. I, I would be. I would be down to talk about that for a few minutes because I think there's an angle here that we could take, even though it is a very white show about good guy cops. Okay, I will just say we have about three minutes left on the clock, so All right. it's three three minutes, season three. There we go. Exactly. Let's, let's do it. You wanna you wanna take it from the start, or or should I? What's what's the angle? Uh, okay, so I think the angle is uh, episode eight, uh, the which I feel like is the kind of 
So it's like, it, it's the event episode that I feel like a lot of people really responded to because it's the wildest episode, I think. You yes. Would say. Yes. Yeah. We are talking about, for those listening, we are talking about season three, specifically the reboot from 2017. Yeah. Not, yeah. Um, yeah. So the, uh, so like the big kind of like thing that happens there is we get the, the background of where the principal villain in Twin Peaks comes from, uh, Bob, and the kind of, uh, the thing that sets off all of, like, the thing that basically sets off the plot of Twin Peaks is the, uh, the nuclear bomb. That yeah. is what we find out. That, like, the, like, what, like, what kind of, like, causes, uh, these, like, you know, evil, like, you know, demon creatures to enter into our world, the, the, explosion of the atom bomb these people that corrupt and poison otherwise upstanding human beings and basically create rot in in uh what at least appears to be you know quote-unquote civilized society yeah and um and if you want to like like my like super quick kind of obvious read of like what twin peaks is about thematically it's basically it is in a lot of ways really conversant with David Lynch's Blue Velvet, uh, insofar as both these things are about the evil that lurks within suburban America, more or less. And the thing that becomes suddenly like really, um, the thing that becomes very very clear in uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, especially in like that episode uh, episode eight of a uh, season three is basically like you know suddenly we we see the like originary moment of violence that creates 50s americana you know like the um like the end of like that particular end of world war ii that then um that that is basically this act of violence that puts a period on world war ii and then creates it leads to this sort of like boom time and uh you know in the america that then that then kind of like leads to this boom time in the American economy that creates the whole image of white suburbia that Twin Peaks is actually kind of a critique of. Um, so anyway, there's that's my take. That that is basically all of my take is that like there is that there there is violence beneath the comfort, and that is I guess Twin Peaks relevance. I think it's I think it's interesting because uh, to just sort of put a bow on that we can maybe get more into this next week unless we have another thing we want to talk about or who knows what happy to talk to one peaks as as am i uh (laughs) expect to return to this conversation next week (laughs) Um, hey it is happening again uh so uh i think it's interesting because lynch uh who is a kind of notoriously um uh kind of he's like naively conservative he's like not even reagan conservative he's like eisenhower conservative like this conservative that that does not really exist anymore and his his work is so uh particularly uh, like a a romanticization and condemnation of like whiteness and americana and suburbia um and it's uh it's very interesting and i think it's far more relevant uh i, I think you raise a very good point it's it definitely has a, a certain relevance to this conversation more than I think I initially anticipated. Uh, we are very much out of time. Uh, so we got to skedaddle. Again, maybe we can pick this up next week, but uh, I think this was 
you know, maybe not the most fun discussion to have, but uh, it's certainly not as fun as talking about uh, Twin Peaks and David Fincher movies, blah, blah, blah. But it's a, <laughs> it's a bit, there's bigger fish to fry right now. So um, I, I'm, I'm glad we got to, to do this. Uh, stay healthy, everyone. Justin, anything else? Uh, stay safe uh, and stay angry at the right people. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. I echo the sentiment. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.